good morning. It is great to be with you this morning. If you have a Bible, we're we're in Revelation 13 in our ongoing verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study through the book of the Revelation. This morning, I would like to begin by reading verses 1 and 2. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. At first glance, these verses, or these images rather, in verse 1, make little to no sense. They probably resemble the many characters we might find in a sci-fi flick. And, And so last week we said if we would simply apply the simple principle, let scripture interpret scripture, these images would make perfect sense. For example, the dragon in verse 1. We now know uh, this is the devil, Revelation 12 and 9. The sand of the seashore are all the nations of the world. The Antichrist stands upon ruling them with power and authority, Revelation 20 and 8. The sea represents the Gentile nations he rules, Isaiah 17 and 12, Daniel 7 and 3, and Revelation 17 and 15. Ten horns and ten diadems represent ten kings and their kingdoms, Revelation 17 and 12. This morning's lesson, blasphemous names, and verse 2, the leopard, the bear, and the lion. Notice John, the writer, says, like a leopard, like a bear, like a lion. The question we must ask is, Who are these animals like? Well, verse 2 tells us the beast. The beast, the Antichrist, is like a leopard, like a bear, like a lion. And we now know the beast is a man with a kingdom. Notice the end of verse 4, and who is able to wage war with him? Revelation 14 and 9, if anyone worships the beast and his image. He is both called the man of sin and the son of perdition, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3. So the beast, the Antichrist, is a man. Now this man, this beast, this Antichrist is like a leopard, like a bear, like a lion. Here is our lesson this morning. The Antichrist is the king, king of a kingdom and he seeks to destroy God. Let's get way ahead of ourselves. So turn to Revelation 17. Revelation 17 and 11, the beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven and he goes to destruction. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose. And they give their power and authority to the beast. 
these will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and kings of kings, and, and those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. These have one purpose. The purpose of the Antichrist, the beast, the ten horns, the ten kings, the kingdom that the Antichrist will establish and rule seeks to destroy the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Let's talk about animals. Animals in the Bible represent nations and kingdoms. In Revelation 13 and 1, then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea having 10 horns. Daniel helps us identify. Daniel 7 and 24, as for the 10 horns, out of this kingdom, 10 kings will arise. Animals representing kings and their kingdoms is not foreign to the scriptures. For example, Daniel 8 and 20, the ram, which you saw with the two horns, represent the kings of Media and Persia. Notice the ram represents kings, that is men. Daniel 8 and 21, the shaggy goat represents the kingdom of Greece. So now animals represent a kingdom. So animals in the Bible depict for us both kings and kingdoms. And, and so when we talk about the ten horns, uh, we're talking about ten kings and their kingdoms. Today, nations are represented by animals. The United States, for example, is identified with the bald eagle. And, and take our political parties, are represented by a donkey, the Democrats, and the elephant, the Republicans. So, so return to Revelation 13 and 2. But I want you to pay special attention to the order of the animals. In verse 2, we have a leopard, a bear, and a lion. Now, is that important that I identify for us the order in which the animals are depicted? A leopard, a bear, and a lion. Well, it is important if you want to see prophecy in history. L let me show you. So turn to Daniel chapter 7. And I want you to pay careful attention to the order of the three animals in Revelation 13 and 2. Daniel chapter 7. Let me give you a minute to get there. Beginning in verse 3 of Daniel 7, we read, And four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different from one another. Now watch this. The first was like a lion and had the wings of an eagle. I kept looking until its wings were plucked and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. A human mind also was given to it. And behold, another beast, the second one, resembling a bear. And it was raised up on one side, and three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. And thus they said to it, Arise, devour much meat. After this I kept looking, and behold, another one, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. 
It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. John, in the Revelation, ends where Daniel begins. Daniel begins where John ends. Daniel begins with the lion, and John ends with the lion. Is that important? It is if you want to see prophecy in history. It is if you want to know the lion, the animal, and what nation he represents. Because it has everything to do with where we began. This is the reason. This is the reason. We read in Revelation 17, these have one purpose. And their purpose is to form a coalition to come against the Lamb of God. It is important. We, we will never know why the lion is first in Daniel and last in the Revelation unless and until we know what nation, what kingdom is like a lion. The lion in Daniel's vision, verse 4, notice, has eagle's wings. Why, why these two animals? Why? Well, one is king of the jungle, and the other is the king of the air. See, this, this depicts someone who wants to be the king of this kingdom. He wants to have total control, and he does. The Antichrist, who has given authority and power from the devil, has total control of this world. And this world belongs to the devil, this fallen world, that is. So what nation are we talking about in verse 4, represented by a lion and an eagle that attacks God in Revelation 17? In Ezekiel 17 and 7, we read, But there was another great eagle with great wings and much plumage. And behold, this vine bent its roots towards him and sent out its branches toward, toward him from the beds where it was planted that he might water it. What nation is described by great eagle's wings in Ezekiel 17 and 7? Ezekiel 17 and 12. Behold, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took its kings and princes and brought them them to him in Babylon. Babylon is the nation likened to eagle's wings. Jeremiah 4 and 7. A lion has gone up from his thicket and a destroyer of nations has set out. He has gone out from his place to make your land a waste. Your cities will be ruins without inhabitant. But this lion is a destroyer of nations. Can a single lion destroy nations? Of course not. So this lion must be a king and a kingdom. Israel, incidentally, by name is mentioned 125 times in Jeremiah. Take a guess who has mentioned more than Israel, or I should say less than Israel in the Bible. Second, however, to no other nation but more than Israel in the book of Jeremiah, where we have this nation depicted as a lion. Well, you guessed it, Babylon. Babylon is mentioned 156 times in Jeremiah, and Babylon is described as a lion. Back in Ezekiel, Babylon is described as a great eagle with great eagle's wings. 
And how did Daniel in chapter 7 describe this lion? With eagle's wings. John has the lion last. What nation is the last nation and kingdom to be destroyed in the Bible that comes against the Lamb of God? Revelation 18 and 10, woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. Take a guess what prophet prophesied Babylon's sudden judgment. Jeremiah. Jeremiah 51 and 8, suddenly Babylon has fallen and been broken. Suddenly, how suddenly? One hour, in one hour your judgment has come. Revelation 18 and 10. We, we need Jeremiah to help connect for us the chapters towards the end of the Revelation. Jeremiah 51, 6 and 7, flee from the midst of Babylon and each of you save his life. But what have I been reminding us of is the message of the Revelation. Flee from the wrath to come. Flee from the midst of Babylon and each of you save his life. Do not be destroyed in her punishment, Jeremiah said, for this is the Lord's time of vengeance. He is going to render recompense to her. Babylon has been a, now watch this, listen, a golden cup in the hand of the Lord, intoxicating all the earth. The nations have drunk of her wine, therefore the nations are going mad. Listen to the words in Revelation 17, verses 4 through 6, after hearing about a golden cup and drunk with wine. Revelation 17, 4 through 6, the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her morality. And on her forehead, a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Listen, and I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. Jeremiah describes this lion with eagle's wings as a golden cup, drunk with wine, Babylon. God is going to recompense her. He's going to defeat her. I really believe this is the hub of the Antichrist. This is his capital History is prophecy. Daniel and Daniel 7, verse 3, Daniel records four beasts. But I seem to count only three beasts. The lion, the leopard, and the bear. John counted the same three beasts in reverse order. So who then is the fourth beast? We, we should be like Daniel. Notice what... Daniel says in the seventh chapter and the 19th verse that I desire to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast. We too should be like Daniel. Well, we should desire to know who is the fourth beast because Babylon, led by the beast, conquers all nations. Let, let's read on. That I desire to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and its claws of bronze and which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feast and the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn which came up and before which three of them fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts and which was 
larger in appearance than its associates. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. The beast, who is the king of the very last kingdom, Babylon, represented by the king of the jungle and the king of the air, devours, crushes, tramples down the remainder, the other animals representing other nations and their respective kingdoms. Daniel describes the fourth beast in verse 7, but so did John. Everything. John, after writing about the lion, the leopard, and a bear, wrote in Revelation 13 and 11, I saw another beast. This other beast that John saw is the fourth beast in Daniel's prophecy. You say, how do we know? All we have to do is attach Daniel 7 to Revelation 13. Daniel 7 and 21, I, have, I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. Revelation 13 and 7, it was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority of every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. The fourth beast is the Antichrist. Look at the very end of verse 8. This horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, now watch this, and a mouth uttering great boasts. John said this about the fourth beast, that other beast that he saw in Revelation 13, 5 and 6. There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authorities to act for 42 months was given to him. You see, if we just let scripture interpret scripture, we will see history and prophecy. Now, now why do I keep saying history is prophecy? Well, look at Daniel 7 and 8. Do you see those words, little one? Little horn. Commentators have been quick to note that in chapter 8, there is also a little horn, which conservative expositors have identified with Antiochus Epiphanes, and they are right. Look at Daniel 8 and 9 for a moment. Daniel 8 and 9. Out of one of them came forth a rather small horn, or little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the, the beautiful land. You know what this little horn did in history? Look, look at verses 11 through 12. It even magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the host, and it removed the regular sacrifice from him, and the place of his sanctuary was thrown down, and on account of transgression, the host will be given over to the horn along with the regular sacrifice, and it will fling truth to the ground and perform its will and prosper. It even magnified itself. I want you to hold on to those words. It even magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the host. Now, this historic figure, Antiochus Epiphanes, desecrated the Jewish temple by sacrificing a pig on an altar to Zeus. You see, what we have here is the historic abomination of desolation, not the prophetic one. The prophetic one is his lookalike. Remember, there is a little horn in chapter 7. That little horn, John is talking about in Revelation 13. But we also have a little horn in chapter 8 the historic one. Chapter 7 is prophetic, and the historic 
points to the prophetic. What prophetic? 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes himself and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. Did you hear that? That's what we read. It even magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the host. The prophetic Antichrist will set himself up to be God. He takes his seat in the temple of God, Paul says, displaying himself as being God. And he compelled the nations to worship him. It is this little horn in Daniel 7 that we want to spend most of our time with in the coming weeks. And here is why. Daniel 7, 23 through 25, thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the 10 horns out of this kingdom, 10 kingdoms will arise and another will arise after them. And and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. He will speak out against the most high and wear down the saints of the highest one. And he will intend to make alterations in time and in law. Now watch this. And they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. That ought to sound familiar by now. What? A time, times, and a half a time? A time is one year. Times is two years. A half a time is six months. Put it together. We have three and a half years. And is that not precisely what time it is? In Revelation 12 and 14, she was nourished for a time and times and a half a time. Anyone ever heard of the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11? It was built in Babylon, modern Iraq, land of Shinar, Mesopotamia, some of the names we find in the Bible. But she is modern Iraq, and if you know anything about the story, you know the entire human race at that time time came together against God. History is prophecy. It's no small thing that we understand that the lion is Babylon. Where it all began in Genesis chapter 11, it's all going to end towards the end of the revelation. The devil will form a coalition. Babylon will be his hub, his capital, but he will be destroyed. Next week, we're going to begin to take a look at three verses unrelated to Babylon. But we're not done at all with Babylon. When we get to chapter 17 and 18, we're going to look at a one-world religion, a one-world government. But, you know, every Sunday, I try to end with a a gospel word. I don't know how many people listen to this podcast. But the most important message you could possibly hear is the message of the gospel. But what is the message of the gospel? Well, God created Adam and Eve, and they sinned against God. And it was at that very time, 
that God promised them that he would send someone from Eve's seed who would destroy the devil. That person was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, died on a cruel cross, led a sinless life, was buried, rose on the third day. Lord of lords, king of kings. Jesus is God in human flesh. And he commissioned his disciples to preach repent, repentance for the sins. There could be no forgiveness of sins without repentance. Repentance means to change your mind about what you believe and how you behave. What do you believe about Jesus? Who is he? Jesus even asked that question, who, who do you say that I am? Peter, Peter was right. He said, you, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. That means you are God. The son of God is God. So this must be believed. It must be believed that you must believe that you are a sinner in need of a savior and that Jesus Christ is your only hope for salvation. So you must believe that you cannot earn your way to heaven. There's a lot of good people in the world. There, there's no disputing whether you're good or not. The real question is, are you good enough? Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. James says, if you keep the whole law, 613 laws in the law, if you keep the whole law and stumble in one point, you're guilty of all. Heaven's demands are perfect perfection. Are you perfect? Well, I hope you have at least enough humility to admit you're not perfect. You say, well, what is the answer? Well, how about a perfect Savior for an imperfect you? That's what I needed. That's what you need. Jesus Christ died for sinners. And, and, and the issue is not how much sin. The issue is you've sinned. And, and you need a Savior. So you repent. But repentance is not just a change of mind about what you believe. It's also about what you be, how you behave. Revelation 9 and 21, and they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. The repentance for the forgiveness of sins implies you turn from those sins. You repent. Well, I sure hope you've repented. If you have, you will be kept from this hour that we've been learning about in the Revelation, a horrific time, a time the world has never seen before, never will see again. It's only a duration of seven years, but it is the worst time this world will ever experience. If you repent today, you'll be rapture ready, and you'll escape that hour. May God bless you. May God bless the reading of his word to your minds, hearts, and souls.